I'm Asam, it's Friday, and this is the Friday Show. City beat Dynamo Zagreb in midweek and play Arsenal this weekend. Joining me to look back at that game and look forward to the Arsenal game, and whatever else takes our fancy, I've got the athletic Sam Lee this morning. Morning, Sam. Morning, mate. How you doing? Yeah, all right, all right, all right. Back safely from Zagreb? Yeah, it was good. Zagreb was great. Yeah? Place. Yeah, I mean, apart from the second-hand smoke that was everywhere. Well, it felt like first-hand smoke. Couldn't go in a bar without without getting bombarded by it. Really, you can the, smoke the, in the, bars the, out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's not like the opposite of a smoking ban. I think if you don't smoke, you're not getting in. <laughs> nice. It's a quality place. Everywhere you went in for a drink or something to eat, it was it was really good. Yeah, it was great. Excellent. And the weather was very cold, suitably cold. I see. Yeah, cold but sunny. I can I can handle that. Okay. I think if even if if Manchester, if you were guaranteed cold but sunny, literally twelve months of the year. Even if it doesn't get hot, I think I could handle that. Yeah, as long as it's sunny, I'm all right. I understand, I understand completely. Okay, well, look, um, it's the Friday show. I guess that it wouldn't be uh, a podcast without a conversation about a new story about Guardiola leaving. So yeah. this morning, it is the Times and the Mail who report that Guardiola has a break. Times as well, eh? Sorry, I didn't see that. The Times as well. Yes. I didn't see that, sorry. Times and the Mail, both <laughs> well prepared. their own exclusives, um, yeah. saying that Guardiola has a break clause in his contract this summer. And both of those stories, interestingly enough, name check Pochettino and um, Brendan Rodgers as possible replacements. Now, final point on that story. Both the stories also intimate that Guardiola isn't going to leave this summer, even though there is a break clause. Um, so, hmm. I mean... I would I would say, so by that, do you mean they've reported that there is a break clause, but City insists that he's going to stay? Yes. Yeah, I think they kind of have to, because I would imagine the journalists... I didn't realise this was in the Times, I'm just looking at it now. I would imagine the journalists have gone to City with this, um, and City have either not commented or I'm I'm going to guess I've not I mean I I couldn't tell you if this is true but I'm going to guess they've not commented but they're going to say look what he's always said and they're going to look look, look like we always we've always been confident he's going to stay he said it himself in a press conference he said he's going to stay longer so the journalists again guessing this if this was me and they weren't commenting I'd have gone well I've got the information I'm happy with it but you've got to reflect the fact that what Guardiola says publicly that that is what I'd say to that, straight off the bat. Okay. Um, they might think he's going to leave. They might think he's going to leave. But do you want to put that out there? Do you want to go balls out now, six months, seven months before it happens, mm. when, he's, when he's on the record saying he's going to stay? So that that's how I would have approached it anyway. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you to speculate now, right? It's It's very difficult to imagine that there is... Is there any interest from Guardiola's camp in uh, leaking this. So, in your opinion, the details of Guardiola's contract with Manchester City, um, do you think that this particular detail has come from Guardiola's camp? No, I don't think so. Okay. Guardiola's camp don't really give anything away, certainly not big stuff like this. Who and else? I'm also I'm looking at the journalist who it would be. And these, I don't think these are journalists who 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 would have that line of communication with somebody in the camp. I'm not saying they haven't got good sources at City, but if you're saying Guardiola's people 
or you know one or two people around him and like they've knowingly gone here you go lads put this out there it doesn't strike me as that okay. again maybe that's the beauty of it um do you I'm think this has come from city I doubt. I don't know. It's it's a weird one. I'm trying to I'm trying to work it out now. Like I say, I didn't know it was in the Times as well until until just now. Um, and it's Matt Lawton who's done it. Who's very good, but he's just left the Mail to go there. Um, and obviously the other story was in the Mail. So I'm wondering if there's some kind of mutual connection there that they both ended up with it. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, no, I mean, I don't think it's been leaked. I would say I don't think it's been leaked in in the sense of you know someone's gone, go on, this you know this is a bit of a strategic thing to do. I just I would imagine. I don't know how they both come about it, but I would imagine it. You know, it, it's how you know, stories normally come out. It'd be someone who knows someone, or someone who knows someone on the board, or was in a meeting, or something like that that they've just they've managed to to dig out. You know, rather than somebody coming to them, like you know, city or or. Manuel Estiarte, for argument's sake, go into them and go in and go. Let's put this out. I, I, I don't. I don't think that's the case. So, where do the replacement names come from then? Yeah. Uh, again, it, like they but, have the but same again, names. if I'm saying if, but that, no, but that's what I'm saying. If they've got um, if if it's like a source on the board or something, or a source in a meeting, or you know, a lawyer that works with City and has seen the contract, or is or has maybe been, you know, because with these stories, from reading the mails one last night, I was like, well, there's not a lot of details in this, but I get the feeling it's one of those stories where you've got more details, but you can't put them all in. Um, and I'm just, you know, if it's something like a lawyer that's been brought in to have a look at exploring it, because both, both stories say if certain conditions are met, but as far as I can say, it doesn't say what the conditions are. So maybe, you know, someone involved in those conditions has you know has got this story and if they have, if they are again you know that I'm just I'm speculating here and I'm not sure if the journalist would appreciate me doing this or not but I think for the for the benefit of the reader it's interesting from a media point of view how these things can play out I think if if the source is somebody in, involved in this process and, and and perhaps city's planning or you know they've got wind of city's planning then um they they may have heard these these conversations about other managers That'd be where the names would come from, I think. Again, I don't I remember seeing um, Brendan Rodgers' name in the mail, but I might be wrong. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Um, it's hard to know. Uh, it's hard not to feel like I think City have to do something. I don't think that... Uh, with the way the season is playing out, I don't think that it makes much sense to um, allow this speculation to exist in a vacuum. Um, yeah. Because well, I, this, this is what this is what I'm thinking. Like, they've not denied it. They can't have denied it. Otherwise, I don't think the story... Well, maybe, to be fair, maybe they would have. Like Matt Lawton, certainly, and quite possibly Keegan. Certainly strong enough character to, to do it, even if they denied it. But I think there might have been some recognition of that within the story. Um, yeah, like I say, I'm, I'm guessing again. I don't know. I just get, get the feeling that so he won't have denied this, which is which is interesting in his own right. But mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you that for sure. Well, I, I mean, might be able to later on because I'm going to have to speak to them. I'm going to have to speak to them about it just to see what they're saying. So. Yeah, I guess that my my feeling is more that you know Guardiola, whatever kind of clause Guardiola's got in his contract, whatever clauses he's got in his contract, I can't imagine that's the only one. It's really neither here nor there. Um, 
I think that it's a story, particularly because it's Pep Guardiola and it's Manchester City. I don't think, for example, if Jurgen Klopp's contract has got a break clause in it next summer or the summer after, that anybody's asked about writing that story. Um, yeah, it's because the context, it's the context, isn't it? The context is there's a lot of stories about him leaving, which I know you've got a lot of thoughts about, and also the the league position. Yeah, but yeah, no, no one would really. It wouldn't be as big a story about Klopp now because it's not why they're top of the league. He's not going to go. Exactly. Although, you know, there would be there would be concern among Liverpool fans that they're like, "Fuck me, he might he could leave here and go to Real Madrid, or he could go to Bayern Munich." So it, I don't know. I think it would be a bit of a story, but I certainly agree in the sense it's more of a hot one with Pep because the suggestion is out there that he's going to go. Yes, absolutely. And that's what I mean about City can't let this speculation continue to exist in a vacuum. I just feel like um, the kind of, the, the the downside of Guardiola was always going to be that Guardiola is such a, a, a big figure within football that maybe he would, it would feel like he's bigger than the club. And I think that what is beginning to, great with me with these stories is Guardiola isn't bigger than the club and these stories really make it feel like Pep's bigger than the club ultimately not I don't know a single city supporter who wants him to leave everybody wants him to extend his contract but at the same time there will be life after Pep so can we just get on with playing the season out and this is what I mean about City having to in my opinion do something I think that they have to, one way or the other, they have to take the pragmatic view, which is that if Guardiola isn't going to sign a new contract, these stories are only going to get noisier next season. It's just not conducive to a stable working environment at a football club. And I just think that they have to address it one way uh, one way or the other. Um, yeah. And again... But it's difficult, but it's difficult, isn't it? Because Well, the thing, it's difficult because if you think... If they're, sit- if they're sitting there this morning going, this is bollocks, he's definitely staying, so... And there's nothing else they can do. It's kind of... It's like the Juve links last summer, and everyone was like, why does City just put out a statement? But City aren't going to do that. They're just going to think, well, it is bollocks, and you know people will, f- will see that in the fullness of time. City will be thinking, quite possibly with this, well, there's nothing we can actually need to do. Or he said it on the record, he's not going. Like last season, he said he wasn't going to Juve, categorically. So they'll be happy to leave it at that. So that's, that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is they know he is leaving and they can't do anything to stop the rumours because it is true. You know, they, you've just, they, they're, they're kind of stuck now where, like you say, ideally they need to clarify it somehow. But there's either way, whether he is definitely staying or he's definitely going, I'm not sure City are going to do anything about it. They either won't or they can't. Well, I mean, I think that what they can do, what they should do, is they should force him to sign a new agreement, even if he's leaving in the summer of 2021. All it means is they'll have to pay him off. I think that, you know, considering Mancini got a fat new contract a year before they sacked him, uh, and he yeah, ended up... Yeah, Pellegrini got that extension as well. Yeah, I just, it just, it makes logical sense now. It does. Again, can you, I just can't see Pep... I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I just can't see Pep doing that. To willful, like, to kind of willfully mislead, uh, but you know, I don't know. Maybe he is, because if if he is going to go, then he's kind of, I don't know. I suppose misleading people anyway. Exactly, yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. If he's if he's leaving this summer, if the if this is all true, right? If all of this noise is true and Pep's leaving this summer, well, then he's pulled the wool over everybody's eyes. So if he's going to pull that wool, City, for the sake of the stability behind the scenes, should do something to 
stop a lot of these stories. And, you know, some, uh, me and you will have a slight disagreement in that I do feel that it's no coincidence that we play Arsenal this weekend and this break clause story breaks on the Friday morning. I do feel that there is a little bit of a, uh, there has been a little bit of a campaign to try and unsettle City. And I think that the Guardiola, stories about Guardiola's future currently are the best ways, in my opinion, to unsettle the dressing room and unsettle City. Um, and I appreciate that we are probably feeding into that by having this conversation on the podcast, but I don't think it can be ignored either. It's not necessarily something I wanted to talk about this Friday morning, but at the same time, it's back page of the Times, back page of the mails. Somebody somewhere has picked up a phone and had that conversation. And like I said to somebody on Twitter, I suspect there probably is a break clause because I don't think two papers write that with the detail and the level of detail that they've written it with, particularly that weird wording about, you know, if certain conditions are met, what are those? Yeah, con- I don't know what that means. Do, I, I, I have no idea what that Well, be. you know what? It's either one or the other, Sam. Either those conditions are conditions of failure or they're conditions of success. So either it's if Guardiola wins X amount of trophies this year, he can walk away, or it means if Guardiola wins nothing, this year, he can walk away. That's the only type of... You see what I mean? I can't see any other... Yeah, other. I don't know. Maybe it's just... I don't think it's... I don't know how you put this into a contract. But if there's a feeling that it's come to the end, at the end of the season, I don't, which I, not, I don't necessarily think it will be, I think the season will finish much stronger than it's started. But if there's a feeling that it's all come to an end and it's it's one of those mutual consent jobs where the board are like, yeah, fair enough, we can see this. You, you can go. Um then it might be that. The other thing might be, you know, because Guardiola, when he was talking about it the other week, when he said he was open to stay, and I thought the more important thing, because obviously, you know, he was, he was asked a question, what's he going to say? He's not going to say, no, not really, I'm done. You've, you know, you're going to say, I'm open to it. Uh, but he said, look, the most important thing, being together five years, is if the players still respond. So maybe, maybe those conditions are, is he happy with the squad? Is he going to get the investment he wants? Because he's not going to carry on. Uh, not necessarily this season, but you know, well, in fact, no, this season, because if he's going into that fifth season, um, he's he's going to need to know that the players are going to respond to him. And listen, he's going to need that overhaul that he was looking for at the end of last season. Mm. Maybe it's maybe it's that. I don't think that the club would allow... But then the club wouldn't say, no, you, you're not having the money to spend, because I think they would back him. So. Yeah, and I just don't think that the, the, the club would allow put themselves in a position where like these stories seem to intimate that if certain conditions are met for the club from the club's point of view, not from Guardiola's point of view, I find it almost impossible to believe that there's anything in Guardiola's contract that says, like, so what you're saying, if they just feel that they've come to the end of the cycle, they don't need a clause in a contract for that. Really, they don't. Like, they're... Begaristan, yeah, because it can be a mutual consent thing. Exactly. It? Like, Begaristan... But then again, maybe, maybe, it's just a legal, maybe it's just a legal thing in terms of there's set amounts of... I don't know the the money basically maybe the money's set aside so Guardiola wouldn't be entitled to any compensation or Guardiola wouldn't be in breach of contract so it's like that's just it you know it's a legal thing so if 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 there is a mutual consent then you know you you get your money up until this point and no more you know you can't take us to a tribunal we can't blah, do this blah blah but maybe it's just that even though they wouldn't maybe you know it's just a legal HR kind of thing mm, yeah doesn't it just I guess for me it doesn't even that doesn't convince me because the stories seem well sourced the clause seems to exist 
the implication there's no there's no detail in the stories in literally what these conditions are yeah um but they seem to intimate that the conditions are related to success or failure and a decision that the club would then make rather than something that that pep would then make i just think it's you know i i really do think that there is a, a an element of people want the conversation to remain in the public consciousness about will he, won't he, with Guardiola between now and the end of the season. And this is another way to do that. Um, anyway, it's enough about that, unless you've got some uh, some hot oh, take. I just think it's a, it's a good story, you know, whether it's... Oh, totally, totally. Well, you know, well exactly, like, well, you know, whether it's um, just a, a, a formality or, you know, something that every manager's got or there's loads of clauses in or and it's taken out of context or whatever, I do think, I do think it's a good story. And obviously... I don't know. I just don't get the feeling City would have denied it that like so strongly because if they had, it wouldn't it wouldn't have gone to print. So it's it's an interesting one. And I think it's certainly worthwhile doing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Whether it was Arsenal this weekend or Watford at home, I, I don't know. I I think it would if as you know as long as it was produced this week, you know, and it's, they've they haven't held it back for a big game, which I very much doubt mm. because look if, look, if they were going to look by that logic, why why not do it ahead of the derby last week? No, but the, my point is maybe maybe I shouldn't have. Um, Maybe I shouldn't have characterised it as it's a big game this weekend. Every weekend is a big game. And, you know, the stories have been almost weekly for quite some time now. So it's not, you know, it's just not going the way. My point is simply that this thing hasn't gone away, Sam, where we started talking about it last summer with the Juve stuff. And since then, not two weeks has gone by without us having this conversation. Um, I guess that, my fatigue is evident in my voice, and that's not just at the media. That's at every the whole thing. Like for me, the way the season's playing out, the club need to do something to stop these stories, to give the uh, give the perception of medium term stability. Um, whether or not they do, we we shall have to yeah. wait and see. Well, like like I say, with the UVA thing, and even like even the Bernardo Silva thing, they're not very good, actually, are they? At getting out on the front foot and stopping no. something from developing momentum. No, absolutely not. Uh, okay, enough about break clauses. Although that said, to be fair, to be fair, Go on. the racism thing last week, they put out a statement said right, like just straight after full time, they put out a statement saying it, if he's found guilty, we'll ban him for life and anyone else. So they did do well with that. I'll give them that. Yes. No, they did. No, but I think that this. I, I think that they're all right with 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 stuff that doesn't involve the uh, yeah, the players yeah, or the manager. Millionaires. No, really. Yeah, totally. Like no, that. No, I agree. It's when the players and the manager are involved. Maybe they uh, there's a little bit of a vacuum of leadership because nobody wants to uh, challenge Pep. Um, okay. So Zagreb, mm. your thoughts on you know I've seen that video uh, of I guess the press box when City concede. Is that is that what that video is? That I don't think it's when they concede. Oh, okay. Because I, I see some exasperated uh, hands go up in the air and some celebrating what looks like Croatian journalists. So I thought maybe it was just when the uh, when the first goal went in. Um, no, I don't think so. Um, it was Fred. It, it was Fred, the Brazilian guy who works for Esporte Interativo in Brazil, obviously on the Champions League. Mm. I think he was just filming it because he's got to be down pitch side in case anything kicks off. He can get like a pitch level. Um, thing because they're his company, the broadcasters in Brazil. But he was basically just filming us lot, got like me, Jack, and John, and that, so he could send it afterwards. I think. 
Nice. Um, all Unfortunately, right. he caught me not looking at the pitch for a <laughs> second of the 20 seconds because I was, I, was I was working on my article and I was on the front row. And as you can see from the picture I put on Twitter, I couldn't see much of the pitch anyway. So I, only, I, I could only really look up when Dinamo scored, uh, when they attacked. Um, and I saw their goal. So it wouldn't have been that moment. But the interesting thing was, yeah, the lads behind me, the Croatian lads, m- must have got excited about something. I didn't even flinch. I didn't even, I didn't even know what... <laughs> What, what it would have been so yeah. <laughs> um, so what did you make of the uh, performance I mean we talked a lot about phone uh, in the uh, in the review mm. do you see a what does phone did you see anything or did you talk about what he brings amongst the the, the press pack that maybe silver or gundo don't bring yeah absolutely it's, it's well I'm trying to think actually in terms of talking among the press pack, I mean, I've spent more time with with City fans in Croatia than than, than the other than the other lads. Um, but the the general consensus is it's the same as you you would imagine more uh, more energy, you know, more energy, a, you know, a willingness to kind of to attack, um, to show for the ball, um, to to try things. And I, I don't know. I think it's got to the situation now where it's not going to be this, but it's got to the situation now where it's surely a no brainer that. That he he would be starting games instead of David Silver right now with Silver in this form that he's in, and obviously if Silver's injured for the weekend anyway, then please God let let it be Foden and not you know Rodri at the back of midfield with Gundogan and, and De Bruyne. You know it's not going to be though. You just know that he's not going to start Foden this weekend, don't you? Yeah, You're saving him for Oxford. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, it's just I think that's the thing that with Oxford next week as well. You just know that he's no way is he going to play Foden against Arsenal, and then make. I don't, yeah, I know. I'm I'm going to say you will, but I'm you know if someone gave I don't know if, I don't know if someone gave me a million pounds to put on it, I'd probably put it on. He won't, but I'm going to say you will. Okay, fair enough. Um, now I want to talk about Benjamin Mendy, and mm. what I want to ask you is. What I raised again in the review, the idea that when Guardiola was asked about Mendy last weekend and Guardiola said Angelino's ahead of him, mm. whether that was a little bit of kidology and whether the performance that we saw in Zagreb was a reaction to Guardiola's fantastic kidology with him. Maybe, but again, you know, City and Guardiola have kind of it's it's kind of last it's been last chance saloon for about a year with Mendy, and I th- and it really is because he's not playing well, which you, you know you can you can legislate for for with the injuries, but at the same time you know that that knee is damaged. He's not playing well. The fitness isn't there. He's not sharp enough. But the other side of the coin is at the start of the season, and kind of yeah, start of the season. I was told you know he was knuckling down and doing well. And, being more professional and that kind of stuff, but I think that I think I might have gone, gone. I think he might have reverted a bit to, to the nights out kind of thing. So maybe it's a. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it was just true. I think it was maybe maybe if anything a bit of frustration maybe that, and if you yeah that Angelino is a more reliable option than than Mendy in different respects, whether it's fitness or. Performance, but I mean that's not a very high bar, is it? Like as soon as Zinchenko's fit, I'm sure he'll be back at left back. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think for me, um, prior to Mendy's performance in Zagreb, I was kind of going, well, what this has proven is that Zinchenko has rightly been our first choice left back for the last two years or however long it's been. Um, yeah, you know how long it's been since February. 
Isn't that mad? What? He was only he only really started consistently playing left back in February. Really? I think, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I'm not sure about that. I'll have to I'll have to have a look at that. Statos that are listening, let us know. Um in terms of the performance of Mendy then in Zagreb, how impressive was it? Yeah, it was good. Um and I mean it always but it always seems harsh when when someone has a good game and you go, Yeah, but but I, I think I'm gonna have to do that. You know, it was the thing with the thing that we need to see with Mendy, and the thing we need to see with basically everybody else who played well on on Wednesday night was like, fine. You can't take anything away from that performance, but what we don't need to know if Mendy can play well in one game. We don't need to know if Gabriel Jesus can play well in one game. We don't need to know if Gundogan can play well, if Foden can play well. What they all need to do, what Bernardo Silva needs to do this season, what Morris needs to do this season, what they all need to do is play well and then go and play well again and then go and play well again. So. I think all we can say is, fair play, they did do well on Wednesday. But if they start at Arsenal, are they going to do it again? And then are they going to do it at Leicester, against Leicester? Mm. I think that's the most important thing. So yeah, in isolation, Mendy played well. But we don't really need to know that. There have been games where he's looked all right. And Zeno played well against Burnley, but then he was shit against United. So it's just, that's a situation the City are in. The players haven't been consistent enough. Um, and we need to we need to see if if they're going to be so mm. I can't I can't read too much into it other than say yeah fair play same with Jesus you know he scored two really good goals I wrote a piece about Jesus this, this morning scored two really good goals against Burnley three good goals against Zagreb but and maybe this is a bit harsh and because he is only 22 and basically all the context is in the article but you don't it, you give him credit for scoring those goals, but then you also look at the ones, you know, the header against United, the one-on-one against Newcastle, and you just think, just spread these goals out a bit, you know. Yeah. It doesn't It doesn't matter if you're scoring three against a team in a Champions League game that doesn't matter to City. You know, spread them out. Score one against Newcastle, one against Burnley, one against United. Just do that, you know. that That's what people really want from him because the Aguero bar is so high. Yeah, he's fine. he's 22 and he's and he's learning. So that's fine. But that's what I mean. We need it's about consistency we see at this point of the season. Mm. Um so speaking of consistency then, how do you view the current Mares Bernardo battle for yeah. the right-hand side? Um I think we we're we're in a position where we don't have any options on the left. It is still in robust. Um but on the right you feel as though neither Bernardo or Mares has really, well, I feel as though neither really state their claim this season. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on on that kind of, that position and those two players and how City are fixed for the rest of the season? It's pretty much the same. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you who'd start at Arsenal. I haven't really got a feeling about it now because normally it's just been, you know, whoever started the last game, if they didn't do that well, then he'll change it. And then he might stick with someone. Like Mares for example, could score twice and then he'll play the next game and not play very well and then Bernardo will come in and then he might do all right and then play the next game and not do all right and then it's Mahrez again. Uh, I don't know who's going to be at the weekend but neither have been neither have been consistently good. Um, and That's just how it is. The, the, place is. the place is there. It's up for grabs. Um, but just nobody is actually willing at the moment to, to nail it down and make it theirs. Why is there so much inconsistency um, in so many top players this season, is this a 
should we not be looking for excuses for them? Should we simply be criticizing them and saying that's not good enough? Or no, do you- I think the thing is, and I was I was going to write something about Bernardo this week, but the Jesus thing overtook it. Um, and I was kind of jotting down notes on the plane, and it was a bit off topic. But I do think the context is important. And basically, it's I think it's with with a Pep team. Obviously, it's all about the system, and you can't look at the last two seasons and the fact that. You could name any player in the squad, I think, or at least 90% of them, and say they're playing the best football of their career. And it's down to, obviously, their own individual application and their their understanding of the system. But it is the system. The system gets the best out of everyone. This season, with the little tweaks, with the, you know, the 4-4-2 and the pressing, you know, the, the, mid, the midfield set up with you know, one of the midfielders being a bit deeper and not getting... Not, not being in the positions to attack quite as much as they normally are. And, you know, the, obviously the the more counter-attacks getting through because the midfield and the forwards aren't quite doing their job properly. All of that, it's not quite working. So then all of a sudden you've got the exact flip side of all all these great players having the best seasons of their career and they're now having inconsistent seasons because it's not quite working as it should. And I think it's all about the system. So I think it's that. But then the other side of that is why isn't the system working? And it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation and this is kind of the message I wanted to convey and I still might convey if I do a Bernardo Silva piece next week. What you know? What came first, the tactical and the, the system breakdown, or individual poor performances? And Bernardo is a good example because he was given that long holiday after his great season last year. Came back not quite a peak physical condition. Um, Mares started the season as Bernardo kind of tried to get back into his rhythm. Obviously, Mares had only had two weeks off between the Afcon final and the Community Shield. Obviously, he didn't play in the Community Shield because of that nasal spray he was given, which he didn't know what was in it, so they didn't play it. But he played at West Ham. So he was still in his rhythm. But I think now he's knackered because he didn't have the summer off. Bernardo was you know, trying to get into his rhythm. And then the tweet thing kicked off, and that really affected him. And now, basically, we're here where neither of them are doing anything. And you think, well, so is the system not working because these players... And look, David Silva... You know, is the is the system failing David Silva or is David Silva failing the system because his legs are gone? I, I'm trying to work it out, and and it's that kind of thing. You know, you know De Bruyne. You know, people saying De Bruyne looked heavy for a few games, and even in those patch of games where he wasn't particularly good, I made the point the other week that he was still creating a load of chances, but it wasn't quite the same De Bruyne for a bit. And it's just it's, it really is difficult to work out. You know, this uh, the system isn't working, but I don't know I don't know why, and I don't know which round it is. You know, who's 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 to blame? You know, it's it's obviously a contribute, uh, um, yeah, like a build up of factors. So, but which came first? Yeah, well, my thing is this then. So, because I don't think that we're, I don't think we we're fixed into one system. I think that we Pep will tweak it. Um, do you think that maybe? And again, it's a question I asked on the uh, on the review pod, and I'd be interested to n- know your opinion. Do you think maybe one of Pep's big issues right now is he doesn't know what his best eleven is, whereas two years ago he knew exactly what his best eleven was. A year ago he knew exactly what his best eleven was, and it was very easy for him to pick those players almost every game. Or you, you see what I mean? One piece in, one piece out, but basically your best eleven. Whereas this season, I would argue, he doesn't know who is best right-sided forward is. He doesn't know who his best two number eights are. He probably doesn't know who his best two full-backs are. He definitely doesn't know who his best two available centre-halves are. You see what I'm getting at? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, definitely on, on the flip side, you would say that nobody's ever known City's best 11, least of all Pep, you know, even when, you know, things are going really well. Mm. Uh, you know, he needs different different people for different games. 
you know, you must play, you know, if City are going to have more of the ball, you'll play Stones at centre-back because he's better on the ball. Um, if you're going to have, you know, put it pumped into your box, he's going to play Otamendi. But yeah, the problem is then complicated further because those two players I mentioned, for example, but you could apply it to all of them, are not playing well. So he's like, well, I kind of need Stones for this, but fucking, I can't trust him. And I need Otamendi for this, but I can't trust him either, which is why he's playing Fernandinho at centre-back, let's not forget. So yeah, I, I, I do know what you mean. I think it's the, I think it's probably a combination of the fact that he always wants different things from his players, but he's not sure what he's going to get from seven or eight of them at any one time at the moment. Same thing with, you know, we were saying Mendy and Angelino. And look, people are looking forward to Zinchenko coming back, and I think he'll be good. But he was bad at the start of the season as well. Um, you know, Walker has been up and down. Cancelo's been a bit meh so far, which is fine, because, you know, he's only like three months in or whatever. So that's fine. But he has been a bit meh. Um, look good sometimes, look bad at others. And I just don't think he knows what he's going to get from them. And again, this what I was saying before about the individual performances and the, and the, the system not working... It's this contribution of factors. Now, whatever the reason is, you've now got players who aren't playing well and they're not happy with it. But when I wrote that piece after the Newcastle game, they're not all at each other's throats. They're not all falling out. And as we saw from the Burnley game, they're, they're still big mates. They're still getting on. But that Burnley celebrations, I think, was born out of the, the I think, relief, I think, after the game. Because it was like, fucking hell, look, we, we can still do it. Because I think they were as confused as everybody else. Everyone's going, what's going on with City this year? Yeah. Um, but I, but I think City of um, the City players are the same. You know, they're like, "What is going on? What? You know, why? Why has this happened to us? Why aren't we playing at our best?" So it's all snowballed now into this, you know, this situation they're in where they're not at their best. They're psychologically not in a good place, and it's it's got on top of them a bit. Um, and that's a, that's the that goes back to him not knowing who to pick because, like I say, with, with Bernardo and Mares physical problems, mental problems, whatever it may be, they're not at the top. So you keep changing them, and you hope something comes out of it but you're not sure you're not sure what you're going to get whereas you could play Bernardo every every game at the end of last season and you'd know what you were going to get you could do the same with Sterling but that just goes to show that's not that's not really viable you know you need to you need to mix things up and have different options but all the options are kind of I don't know fatigues or just not playing well or whatever it is mm. it's, it's, it's all it's all snowballed well I mean I just I think that you know we we always knew Laporte was a key component of this side. We weren't sure how much of a key component he was. We know now. Um, I think we all wondered with Leroy Sane what his... We knew what his impacts were when he was on the pitch, but we weren't really sure about what his impact would be if he wasn't available. And now we know what the impacts of that is. So I think that, you know, there is definitely a, a, a conversation to be had about how they move in the next two transfer windows because I think that the squad will need to be strengthened in in various areas and they know that. Um, Last one before we talk about Arsenal. What about January and the summer? What I want to know actually is, just be honest with me, do you really have an inclination of what's going to happen at City? Or if we're being honest, there's a lot of speculation but literally nobody really knows who the players are they want, how many positions it is. You see what I mean? Like, I'm trying to figure out how much of what I'm seeing, hearing, reading is just the kind of obvious speculation of, well, it's obvious City needs a centre-half, so they're going to sign a centre-half, or whether there are people close to the club, close to Pep, who are beginning to talk about three or four players coming in. What, in January? 
No, over the next oh. two windows. Like, obviously, no, I'm just I, talking I, I in general. Know. I don't know. No, in terms of the summer, no, I don't know. I don't know. I've not been able to have those conversations yet to know what they want. I mean, I, I'm confident in saying for the on the you know on on a podcast they're going to want three or four, um, and I'm sure I'm sure City will. If Pep wants that, I'm sure City will do that. Um, but no, I, I couldn't tell you for certain these are conversations that have taken place and this is the outcome. Okay. And for January, what is your... If you were a betting man, would you be betting on no incomings or 50-50 or mm. what, what, what? I don't know. I don't know because, again, it's the same kind of thing as the Pep future thing. Um, you know, I was told by a good source that City are looking for centre-backs in January and I've got two colleagues, really good colleagues, who have said the same thing to me from from different sources. Um, but obviously, at the same time, Guardiola says no chance. Um, I've said all along. I know how difficult it's going to be to do that. You know, if they're going to sign, if they're going to sign a, an overseas centre back anyway. They're going to need to get rid of an overseas player. And I mean, who's that going to be really? Otamendi or or Sane or like really outside chance Mendy. But that's you can imagine how difficult those would all be I don't see Sane going in January it's a different conversation but I think if Bayern wanted him and Bayern were the only one in the race then it suits them to wait until summer and get him for cheaper um, so it, it's always going to be difficult but I, yeah all I can say with certainty is that I have been told and my colleagues have been told and I know I'm confident in my source that they are looking for someone in January but the only thing I would say about that now is that was two weeks ago I was told that. So when I wrote it after the Newcastle game, I was like, right, this is fine. I'm confident this is new information and it's not out of date. Um, but now it's like, well, what's happened in the last two weeks? I'll need, I'll need to go back and see. Is, is, are they still, are they still looking? Are they found someone? Are they not found someone? What's the situation now? Cause what I've, you know, one of the probably the biggest things I've, I've learned in terms of reporting news and these kind of things while I've been covering City, especially recently is, this information can be really good, but if you start repeating it too long, over suddenly it's two or three weeks later, and then you forget, quite simply, that well, that might have changed. I know it sounds it sounds really fucking obvious when I put it like that, but you, you can get this information that's great, but, and it's from trustable sources, reliable sources. But yeah, it it is easy to to rely on it for a bit too long. So I was pointing out the fact that I need to be conscious of that situation has quite possibly changed in the last two weeks. And given what the transfer window opens in three weeks, if it, if it was the summer transfer window opening in three weeks, City would have probably had pen, pen to paper with two players already. So whether they were looking or whether they found someone and they were just dressing it up as looking, I couldn't tell you. But you'd imagine they would have, you know, they wouldn't be looking at five or six players now. They'd have narrowed it down to one, two. Mm. Okay. But I don't okay. know who they would be. Koulibaly, everyone asked me about Koulibaly. I don't know. Does he fit the profile? Here's what I think. 28 years old, very expensive. Yeah, but bro, let me let me throw something at you and you tell me what you think, right? Let's, for the moment, humor me and indulge me. I think Guardiola will see out his contract and leave, right? I don't think that Guardiola's going to sign a new deal and stay for another four or five years. I don't think that he's going to leave this summer. I think it, it is what it is. He goes in the summer of 2021. I don't see much point, if that's going to be the case, in City targeting three or four 19, 20, 21-year-olds come January next summer. I don't, I don't see that. I, personally, I would, I would expect, if the plan is for Guardiola to go in 2021, that Guardiola will want the best possible chance 
of going out on a high. So that means that I expect when they do deals that it maybe won't be the obsessive we're only going to sign 2021 year olds. Maybe. Yeah, but I mean, look, there's there's a big difference between 2021 and 28. You know, you you could get you you could still get people who are kind of top of the game at 25, 26ish. By the same token, they're not going to do a Van Persie, are they? And just get someone to send Pep out on a high and then be lumpered with it. Well, I mean, it depends upon how highly you rate Kula Valley and how many years you think he can play football for. But I personally think that that seems like a... To go and sign somebody of that profile seems like a smart thing to do for Man City right now. Because I don't think that... You know, no, I, I, I agree in the sense that they... They could go and do that, but I'm just thinking. We know how dogmatically City stick to their. their uh, yeah, but Maras wasn't. Maras wasn't part. Maras wasn't. It wasn't in the profile in that sense. And if anything, uh, I remember conversations around that time, which from Pep's side were were the the message was very much that well we've got in Sterling and Sane two young books, but what we want is somebody who's a little bit more refined and a little bit more the finished article so I, mean, I don't know i mean i'm yeah, again he was 26 when they wanted him in that january and he was and he he fit that price of what he was 60 million in the end you know th- i still think there's a big difference between 26 28 and 60 million or 100 million yes but i i guess that it becomes a i'm not as uh i i think that the notion that city won't spend big on certain types of players uh, is one that it's definitely convenient for them to put out there, but it can't. I, I personally, I don't think it'll last forever. Um, I think with the age thing, as with the transfer fee thing, if they want to remain one of the top clubs in England, then they will. There will be exceptions, uh, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. My thing well, is going to be part of the post Pep thing because the whole takeover has been geared towards getting Pep and I think getting Messi obviously they've not got Messi but I, I'll, I'll be interested to see how it looks after Guardiola goes because the whole project I think has been geared towards obviously look they, this, I'm not saying they're going to knock it on the head I'm just saying they've they've geared everything towards getting Pep and uh, sorry Ferran and Cheeky in to help that to get Pep to buy the players to support Pep and I'm just interested to see what they're going to do after that and by that what I mean is they're not going to pull the money out I mean yeah, will they go back to the early days, especially if FFP is kind of lax or not so enforced? Will they go and do what they did before, where people were going, that's a lot of money for David Silva, that's a lot of money for Aguero? Will they go back to that and go, we don't care, we need to build a team here? They need to build the next City team. You know, the Aguero, Silva, Torre, they put City on the map. Are they going to go and buy signings post Pep to put them on the map again, or to keep them on the map? Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, and I think that you've you've kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of what I'm talking about. I think that for me they will do. I think that they and I, but the, I think the big thing, and I think this is where the whole Guardiola conversation grates on me, is very much that there's not as much work as people think. City squad doesn't need to be rebuilt. The core of that, the core of that side. Is unbelievable, and it's the right age. It's like when you look at the age of, you know, from back to. I mean, we can have. It's a different conversation to talk about Mendy's injury issues. But if you look at Mendy, Cancelo, Laporte, Edison, De Bruyne, Foden, uh, Sterling, Sane, Jesus, you have the core 
of a team that is the right age, that is the right quality. Um, in, in many respects, the next guy will have much more to work with than Guardiola did when Guardiola arrived. So I don't think that the next guy at City is going to have to spend like Pep had to spend and bring in nine, ten players over two windows to be as good as Pep City have been. I think that it will be, you know, this City team will really be transformed by a world-class centre-half and a world-class left-back. My opinion, you leave everything else as it is, you stick a world-class reliable left-back in, you stick a world-class reliable centre-half in, and the City team would be completely transformed. So I do think that there's a, a a balance that can be struck in terms of how much needs to be done post Pep and where we are in the kind of in the greater scheme of things in comparison to where we were when Pep took over. I just think we're much further down the line in terms of the building of the club, the building of the squad, the reputations of both and, and what we can and how difficult it will be moving forward although obviously I acknowledge replacing Pep will be probably the biggest challenge that that they will have faced since trying to get Pep okay should we talk about Arsenal now oh yeah (laughs) Um, what's the latest on their manager hunt Uh, I don't know speaking of weird stories or or stories that are written in in a certain way and you think that's interesting after the derby last week, there was that story saying Arteta's the... No, it, it it was a story saying Arteta will face like an apprentice-style interview or several apprentice-style interviews if he wants the Arsenal job. Um, that was the headline. And then I think second or third part said Arteta's the favourite. And you think, that's, that's, again, that's a, that's a weird way of doing it. Um, if if you know if you're confident Arteta is the the favourite, then it's kind of you normally normally you'd put it at the top. And I'm not saying they're not confident. I think they are. Mm. It was just a, it was just a weird way of doing it. Um, but that's kind of gone a bit uh, quiet. There's no hot name, is there, at the moment? Because you know, for the first few days after Emery was sacked, first week or so, it was like these are the names, these are the people, and then it kind of got narrowed down a bit. And now it's kind of it's gone a bit quieter. Um, with being in Zagreb this week, I've not kind of been. On the on the phones, as it were. So I need to I need to see if the the stance that I was given the other week of nothing of no approach for Arteta. I need to see whether that's still the case. Again, look, if I was to go and say, oh, there's been no approach for Arteta because I wrote that two weeks ago, that could very well be out of date. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure what what the situation is is with that one. Okay. I uh, my. My, uh, I know you think he'd bite their hand off if he's offered it. Well, I just think my uninformed opinion is actually... Uh, I, I saw the other day that Ornstein, um, correct me if I'm wrong, said that Ancelotti's not on their list, right? Yeah. Um, now, look, if Carlo's not on their list, then my guess is that it really is going to be Arteta. My guess is that basically... The reason there's there's nothing coming from anywhere is because City play Arsenal on Sunday, and next week will be when this really goes into overdrive. Um, looking at the looking at the results that they've had since Youngberg took over, and the the position that City are in, what type of a game do you actually expect? They're they're both. Would it be fair to say City and Arsenal are pretty unpredictable right now? Yeah. Okay. I, think it'll be bit, I think it'll be a bit chaotic. I think it'll be very open. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it'll be that. You, you can't really rely on either defence. There's, a, there's kind, of, you know, there's, there's firepower going forward. I think there'll be a lot of counter attacks. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, <laughs> definitely be a lot of counter-attacks. Um, is this a good time for us to be playing Arsenal or is it a bad time for us to be playing Arsenal? Mm. What's your thoughts on that? If you look at the way that the end of Emery... Well, look- yeah, I mean, it would have been better a month ago when the Emery thing was petering out. Mm. But they're still not... You know, they haven't had a big resurgence, have they? Nope. Um, and again, a weird result Thursday night. Uh, with the two all, the two goals in two minutes. That's that's the thing. You, it always seems this with this with this Arsenal team. It always seems like you've got twenty minutes to laugh at them in a game, but then they will get it back. <laughs> like you know, like the, the Norwich game, the West Ham game on Monday night, um, the game on the game on Thursday. Uh, they they always give you a chance. But, and the thing is, if they give City a chance, you would think City will take it and they'll get a couple, and then it'll be too late. You would you would imagine, but again, like you said, it is they are unpredictable. I still think it's a good time to play Arsenal because I think I think it's always a good time to play Arsenal. It's it's less good than it would have been a month ago before Emery got sacked. But there's you know it's still it's a it's a team that's going to play to City's strengths. Um, but obviously, the other side of that is we all know City City strengths haven't quite been so strong this season. And, you know, it's probably. The flip side of that coin is there's no good time to play City, but this is probably one of the better times to play them. Yeah. So they'll probably be thinking that, whereas City could be thinking, yeah, there's no bad time to play Arsenal, but this isn't, this, you know, it's not as good as it could have been. Mm. How does City approach this from a selection point of view? Do you think that, I mean, we talked about it at the top of the show, do you think anybody's performance in midweek affects a selection decision? At the weekend, um, well, yeah, I'm sure as long as Mendy's physically capable of playing, it's going to be. I'd, I think it'd be exactly the same as Anzino playing well against Burnley and then starting against Arsenal. The only thing there, I suppose, is Zinchenko. Yeah, he'll play Zinchenko. He'll play Zinchenko, and he'll have him go in midfield to shore him up against counter attacks. Actually, I'll be, I'm pretty sure of that. That makes sense, doesn't it? Wait, stop. He, t- he tried it with Walker recently. So what, you're going to play... Sorry, so... No, I mean, Zinchenko at left-back, but he'll go inside. Ah, okay, got you. So you think Zinchenko will play? Uh, yeah, Sunday. I think that makes sense. Well, yeah, I don't know, but it makes sense. He's trying to, you know, Newcastle and and Burnley, but, you know, with Walker going into midfield, which obviously they've done in the past, but I just think uh, that suits Zinchenko a bit more. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was that, actually. Um do you not think there was something in Pep's comments about Angelino and Mendy having to fight it out that intimated that Zinchenko was no longer in the left-back conversation? That's certainly something I've seen speculated. Um, I mean, I could I could see it does look like that, but I'm not sure. It doesn't make any sense because those two are not good enough to be left-back at City. Mm-hmm. Zinchenko on his day is. Well, a lot of fine on their day, but I think Mendy has, unfortunately, not through his own entirely through his own making. I think he has had his day. I think his knees, his injury is... Has, has done him in. Um, I think Zinchenko can be, and the other the other side of it is, why do you need you don't need Zinchenko anywhere else? He's not you know if he's not going to play Fernandinho at the back of midfield instead of Rodri, then he's not going to play Zinchenko in there. I know that's related to centre backs, but he's got Zinchenko. He's sorry, he's got Rodri and he's got Gundogan for defensive midfield. And if he plays Zinchenko as a number eight instead of Foden, then you know people are going to cancel their season tickets. It's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> So there's 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 no logic whatsoever in not using Zinchenko as a left back anymore. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with you. I mean, I I I would like to see Mendy start just because I think that his performance in midweek 
earned a start against Arsenal. I think he needs to Yeah, be- that's that's where I was going with it. And then I thought, oh, maybe maybe Zinchenko would be better against counter-attacks. So I, I kind of changed my mind mid-sentence. I, I imagine that Mendy are fancy going up against Pepe. Just both of them being French. I just think that there's something in that where you kind of feel like, hmm, I think Mendy will. I think that's what it'll be. I think it'll be Mendy. Uh, but but I do see, personally, I think that if Mendy doesn't put in another really high-level performance against Arsenal, then I just want to see Zinchenko back at left-back sooner rather than later because he's been the most consistent and the most stable in my memory. Although, granted, I've not got the um, the best of uh, the best of memories. Um, so, Foden versus Silva and Gundogan... We agree that Kevin De Bruyne will start. Do we agree that Rodri will start? Or do you think, is there any danger of suddenly Gondo finding himself in the six? Or do you think Pep's just going to keep playing Rodri now? Well, it was interesting, obviously, that he didn't at Newcastle. I thought that was really interesting. Me too. That he, that he went back. But then he were kind of, he, he stuck with, you know, the one number six, the single pivot for the, the Burnley game and it went well. But then the United game. So it's not, you know, that's not, Fully the problem. I do think I do think City are much better with one number six, but it's obviously not fully the problem. There's still problems with counter attacks um, and dropping Rodri, but he's played since. Uh, I don't know. I don't. It's it's a it's a knife edge. This one. I'm not sure. I, I would imagine he Rodri's going to play, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if he was going to do it. Okay. Okay. Fair yeah, enough. I really don't know. Fair enough. Bernardo Amares. Same. Who knows? Who would you pick? Um, Bernardo. Okay. Because you've got the potential for him to be more reliable. You With Mahrez, it's like if Mahrez has a good game, he can score you a goal and and do well. But with Bernardo, kind of, even if it's not going so well, you know, he's he's going to give you a bit more solidity and the work rate and and that kind of thing. And I think, you know, with Pep and playing it safe and not losing easy balls and counter-attacks, I don't know, I think he seems a safer bet. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, any other selection decisions for Pep? I mean, Fernandinho and Otamendi with Stones being injured seems logical. Do you see another option? Do you see Fernandinho and Rodri with Gundo playing at six? Um, well, it's a big game, so maybe. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. Um... <laughs> You're only guessing. We all know you're yeah, guessing. Exactly, it's cool. Exactly. Would Would he want to play Otamendi there? Would he go back to Rodri and Gundogan? Listen, I would not. Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, who knows? Because he, yeah, well, it it didn't really work against Atalanta, didn't they? They had to change it. Mm. It worked well at Palace. Then they had to change it for Atalanta, and Rodri got injured anyway. I wonder if he'd go back to it. I just worry with the movement and the pace of. Of um, yeah. of Obama Young and and, and Lacazette um, and Pepe, I, it just worries me the thought of Otamendi being uh, you know prostrate on the halfway line because he's tried to tackle Obama Young who's gone. Do you know what I mean? It just it it does make me a little bit nervous. But I guess we'll uh, I guess we'll have to wait until Sunday to see. Um, last one, Sam. You think City beat? Arsenal this weekend. Do you have faith in the club you have covered for two years to uh, to turn up and do the right thing? Yeah. Good lad. Yeah. Good lad. Um, 
I think so too. I think Guardiola just very quickly on the team. I think he picks Edison Walker. Uh, I don't think he's got any faith in Otamendi, but then I think that he made Otamendi captain in midweek. It'd be really weird to not play him now. So I think it will be Otamendi and Fernandinho. I think it'll be Mendy at left back. I think it'll be Rodri, KDB, and I think he'll play Gundogan. That's my vibe. I don't think Foden gets near it. Um, I think Mares plays. I think Sterling plays, and obviously Jesus plays. Uh, okay. Before we wrap this up, Sam, we always talk briefly about another game. Wolves play Spurs this weekend, and Wolves find themselves... It started the season really badly, but have found themselves much further up the table now. Um, just really briefly, because I see that Nuno was was obviously linked with the Arsenal job as well. Like, where is Nuno as a manager? What are your thoughts on his kind of um, his strengths and his weaknesses, and the job he's done at Wolves? And it's hard to find the line between it being like a Mendes pet project, and that makes his job a heck of a lot easier because they get access to players that maybe a lot of other clubs wouldn't get access to and how difficult and competitive the Premier League is and still the fact that he's got them where they are and playing the way that they play. So yeah, brief thoughts on uh, Wolves. I think he's really good. And I, again, I don't, it's only easier if you're, as a manager, you're equipped to play with Jean Moutinho and Ruben Neves and, and Raul Jimenez and the, you know, the fullbacks you've got, you know, Wolves are not a, a sexy Premier League team. And he's, no. He's made them that, you know. He's had, he's had the bottle to make them that, you know. Coming up from the championship, to stick to that, to play attacking football, um, you know. If, you know, if it sounds a bit harsh, but fuck it. If, if like Sean Dyche or someone like that was in charge of Wolves as they came up and they had those players, they, I don't, I still don't think they'd be a good attacking team. You know, it's the mentality of Nuno to to go and you know play good football and play to these players' strengths. And again, we saw it with United. You get a manager like David Moyes coming in, who's used to playing like underdog football, you know, back to front quickly, and then you go to United, which, oh, ironically, they've kind of gone back to at the minute, actually. Um, but you you go to United, and then you've got a dressing room full of players who want to play football, and you you go against that, you know, you, you're going to have problems. Uh, so I think I think Nuno's a really good fit, and he would be. You know, people always say, "Oh, why don't Sean Dyche or why don't Eddie Howe?" And Howe plays all, all right football. Uh, but, you know, why don't they get um, mentioned without the Arsenal job? I think Nuno fully deserves to because I think he he knows how to play good football. I think he knows how to play to, you know, good attacking players' strengths, strengths that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and the other side of it is I think he's actually got a bit of um, a bit of variety about him because, you know, midway through last season, I th- what, 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 I'm trying to think what it was now, but they'd started off well by kind of playing on the counter-attack a bit more against against better teams you know they're always beating you know United Liverpool City Arsenal Chelsea Spurs but not so much again in teams against teams they had to dominate and he kind of changed that and he brought Dendonka in and you know there was there was a bit more then you know pushing Neves a bit further up you know they could dictate the play a bit more and then they were winning more home games winning more of those games that, um, that they were expected to and it wasn't the case of a new team coming up having a few good results and then you know reverting to the mean and trying to cling on for survival you know he, they actually went to the next level or went how, how are we going to win more games you know how, how can we how can we how can we change and it worked hmm. and yeah the mad thing is at the start of this season it looked like they were really struggling um, and it looked like not I did not not that they were going to get relegated but you know when they came to City 
which seems recently enough. I think it was the end of October to be fair, the middle of. But they were around the bottom three, and then all of a sudden, a couple of weeks ago, it was hold on, they're, they're fifth, and they're, they're, you know they're still sixth now. They're level on points with United. It's just a a goal difference thing because they've they've scored two fewer goals than United. Um, so they they've turned that around brilliantly. Um, they haven't got a big squad. You know they they didn't. You know for all the Mendes stuff, they didn't massively improve on it in the summer and fans were worried that they didn't massively improve on last season's squad um, but he's, he's kept them going and I think he's I think he's really good I think Wolves are really good and yeah I don't I don't think the Mendes thing makes it easier maybe it helps you with those quality of players it helps you get out of the championship but then to be finishing high up in the Premier League and competing in the Premier League I think you need you need something about you as a coach and he's definitely got that and because obviously they play Spurs and, mm. and Mourinho. Um, how do the two coaches compare? Like, how do you like if you look at the if you look at? I mean, obviously, like it was it was big deal Spurs appointing Mourinho. For me, it feels very much like Levy's kind of short term. I need to finish in the top four, type five. So, firstly, do you think that 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 I'm right? That that's really a short term thing, or can you see Mourinho putting down roots at Spurs? And secondly, how do you compare Nuno and, and Mourinho? Because I'm interested in the comparison in terms of. You know, Mourinho obviously coming out of the back of United was everybody kind of went, he's done, he's finished. Mm. Um, Nuno feels like a coach who is very much on the upward trajectory. Um, how are those two coaches comparing now with the job that Mourinho has gone in and begun to do at Spurs? Uh, well, you know, the, the job Mourinho has begun to be doing, you know, he's, he's not turned them around completely. Um, but at the same time, you wouldn't, necessarily expect that you you would obviously expect an upturn in results because by all accounts it had got a bit toxic under Pochettino at the end and it had got to that stage where as much as you know the fans loved him and I you know I think he's great personally you know he did have to go so it was it was one of those kind of situations where Mourinho actually found himself in at United maybe not quite to quite the same extent but very similar um so you'd expect an upturn in results um they're not quite looking great yet um, I don't know. I probably expected them to look a bit better given the the team they've got. Uh, as for you know, can Mourinho lay down roots at Spurs? I don't think there's any point in having that conversation because people were asking the same thing about United, and it's just not going to happen. You know, I don't. I just don't think that's how it works. It's not going to happen. It's to be fair. It's probably the same thing. If Pep goes somewhere else, goes Pep going to stay eight years at Juve if he goes there in a year or so? No, he's not. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's a short term thing. Uh, I can see why they did it. Because if you sack Pochettino, you basically you need, these days you need to have somebody lined up quick. So then you stop reflecting on the decision that's been made to get rid of a popular manager, and you can immediately start thinking ahead. Um, so they had to do that, and then with Mourinho, I think all of a sudden, because I think football fans are generally optimistic when it comes to like a new a new signing or a new manager or a new beginning or whatever. So I think straight away, you know, the Tuesday nights. Spurs fans were gutted about Pochettino when, and they didn't really want Mourinho going by the rumours but as soon as Mourinho came in they were like oh okay I can get on board with this um, but it's, it's all just PR from, from Mourinho he's had a shave he started smiling <laughs> he's joking and you know he's kind of he's reinvented himself but he's the same bloke you know he's the same manager we've seen enough There's a, there is 15 years of top level managing evidence to you know everyone knows what they're going to get from Mourinho you know he may well win a trophy with Spurs um, is he going to lay down roots? I very much doubt it. Um, will they? Will they be a really good team next season? Will they be challenging for the top four again this season? Yeah, absolutely. And next season, absolutely. Um, beyond that, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, 
where they both stand as managers, yeah, um, this is make or break for Mourinho because if it goes, if it, if he doesn't win a trophy and it blows up in two or three years, then I, I think he'd be lucky to get another top level job. But I don't know, probably end up at PSG still. Um, Nuno, yeah, you're right. He's he's you know he's just starting out, and I think a, a big job awaits him. Definitely. Um, right, who wins or is it a draw? Wolves and Spurs. Now this is going to be really interesting talking about you know team styles and Wolves totally you know dom- being better at dominating games now um, but then you know you've also got the flip side of Spurs being you know, you'd imagine they'd go in looking to be defensively solid and hit on the break um, Wolves will win okay so then I, I don't actually believe that but I'm going for it <laughs> well look Wolves are 6th with 24 points and Spurs 7th with 23 points uh, not to put you on the spot, but come the end of the season, who's going to finish higher? Spurs or Wolves from this point? Onwards? Yeah, to be fair, before um, before Mourinho played a game with Spurs, I thought, yeah, they're going to get top four. So I'm going to stick with that. Okay, wonderful. Um, Sam, I'm wrapping this up. This was great. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. To everybody who listened, this was the Friday show. City play Arsenal this weekend. We'll be back with a review next week. Um, in the meantime, as always, be safe, be well, and up the blues. <laughs>